Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16. And our sermon today is entitled, Christ Our Wisdom. Christ Our Wisdom. If you have your Bibles or your program, read. please follow along with me. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age, or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his word. Good morning, everyone, once again. It's good to see all of you here on this Sunday morning. We come to celebrate. Celebrate the knowledge that we have that Jesus is risen. We come to celebrate that in Christ we have hope. In Christ, we will not be moved. And in Christ, that we can look at our problems, look at our lives, we can look at the people in this church, we can look at the people who God has brought to us as we move through this world and know that God has called us to love them to show them that the Jesus that we worship and saved us is the same Jesus that we implore the world to love and worship as well. We don't have answers per se to all the ills of this world and all the ills that we experience. But we have a person who understands 
those ills in a person who will one day when he returns make everything just and everything perfect. But our hope is not in that end goal. But our hope is simply having Jesus in our lives. A God who loves us. A God who walks with us and understands us. And we as God's people, they bear our hearts, they bear our souls. And know that no matter how much we try to say to God, God, you can't love me. Let me show you all the wrong things about me. That God sort of, I like to think God smirks and looks at you and says, that's only one-tenth of the things wrong with you. I know a lot more. And yet I love you. That's the God we worship. That's the God we're drawn to. That's the God who enables us to love each other. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his concern was that the church would keep the purity of the gospel to keep Christ centered in all things. That everything would revolve around the risen Lord and his teachings would revolve around his death and his resurrection. And the understanding that we are bought at a price and the understanding that we are to love him and to love others. And Paul is trying to get the Corinthian church to understand that they must mature as a people, that they should no longer live as infant Christians, as people who are swayed by any manner of teaching, people who are swayed by even their own emotions and wants and desires, but a people that is firm, looking and seeking for the wisdom of God to be like him and to obey him with utter confidence, conviction, and strength in him. In this passage today, Paul answers simply, Christ is our wisdom. Christ is the one that we seek to know how we should live this life. Christ is the one that has all the answers that our hearts are longing for. Christ is the one who will answer even the questions we haven't even asked yet. But the answer of Christ is not something that's simply flippant that we just sort of throw out there. But if we dig deeply in Scripture, we would say, yes, this person who saved me does have a way and a direction for me to walk in. There are three things that I want to talk about in this passage to sort of help us unpack this idea that Christ is our wisdom. First of all, there's a contrast here in this passage of the wisdom of God, wisdom of the world. Wisdom that comes from God himself or wisdom that comes from this created world as well. Here in our passage, 
Paul talks about the fact that there is a secret and hidden wisdom of God. Now, when you read that, you might think that there's a treasure to be found, that surely this revelation or this secret wisdom is something that you and I don't have yet. But he's not talking about things that sort of no one knows about, that somehow we have the secret knowledge out there that each one of us has to find out something that I know that none of you know. The wisdom that he's talking about is a wisdom of knowing the risen Christ himself. Not in one's head or in one's brain. We know that because Paul has been preaching to all the world, to, to all the people around him, that if one simply believes in Jesus Christ, they will be saved. So this wisdom or this knowledge is not simply the, these propositional facts that there is a man named Jesus, that he died on the cross, that Christians somehow believe that in his death their sins are forgiven, that if you believe in him, you have eternal life. We know all of that. That is not hidden from this world. But what's hidden is the veracity and the power of those truths to human hearts. And so here, Paul is saying to the Corinthian church that there is a wisdom of God that you must ask for that is only revealed by God himself, by his grace and his mercy. And this is something that the world cannot understand. And it's something that we oftentimes cannot understand either. You might have friends who are scientists or friends who are skeptics, and they want to be shown that Jesus is the Son of God. They want to have a full demonstration that we are what you call sinners and that we need to be saved. They have questions of the, our worldview, of whether or not our worldview makes sense in a world where there is suffering in a world where there are so many injustices, in a world with so many wars, in a world where even people fight in the name of Christ and atrocities are done in his name as well. And oftentimes we ourselves look for wisdom that is not revealed, but wisdom that we can find with our human minds, that we can ascertain. But it's interesting, is it not? That no matter how much we try to make sense of Christianity and make sense of Jesus, it never makes sense to us until, as we see here, the Spirit of God comes into our lives and reveals the truth of what God has done. We've all experienced it. We've all experienced this in some sort of derivative fashion, derivative way. You've heard me say this uh, um, illustration before, but I'll give it again. I'm from Philadelphia. You can't take Philadelphia out of me. No matter how hard you try, 
I will always root for the Philadelphia Phillies. I will always root for the Philadelphia Eagles, even though I don't watch football as much as I used to. No matter how long I've been here in Atlanta, my brain tells me I should root for Atlanta. This is my home. My brain tells me, my kids, I can't raise them as Philadelphia fans. They're, they're, I need to raise them as Braves fans, as Falcons fans, UGA fans. But no matter how much I try, there's no way I can do that. <laughs> my heart is hardened, if, I could, if you can put it that way. I need some revelation or something. There are some of you out there who are trying to reason yourself into believing that Jesus is your Savior. That you're trying to sort of grasp at ways that he makes sense to me. And I tell you, Jesus does not make If Jesus made sense, everyone would know him. If it made sense that you die to have your to 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 gain your life, everyone would be doing it. If I told you that here is an investment guaranteed 100% back on your dollar in the next year, Mostly you'd be skeptical. But still, if I could guarantee it, you'd be all in. But for us, as Christians, the wisdom that God reveals to us is simple. Verse 8. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For, they, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. True wisdom is being able to recognize who Jesus is, why he came, why he died, and to give your life for him. Wisdom from this world is simply a denial of that truth. And so you see the clear demarcation and separation of the wisdom of this world and the wisdom from God. It is in here that we as Christians have to remember that we are separate from this world. That if we try to merge these two worlds together without understanding that first and foremost that God is God, that our salvation is completely antithetical to what the world teaches, what happens is what? Is that the world's teachings slowly seep into our Christianity. And Jesus ceases to be the Jesus of Scripture. Many of us want to tame Jesus and tame the truths of Christ. And in so doing, I guarantee you, if you do that, you will stop going to church. And in fact, you will start to have contempt 
for Jesus and contempt for the church. Because when you make Jesus into your own image of what you want, let me tell you, you cannot even master your own desires, your own wants. And if you put that on Jesus, that that's what he's made to do, you will have contempt for him as well. Jesus is not meant to be tamed. Jesus is meant to be worshipped. We're not here to ask God to fit into our lives. We are here to say, God, how do I fit into your life, into your, the wisdom that you have? We must understand that when we go out in this world and we preach to people that, listen, if you do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is eternal punishment. It should be jarring to you. It's still jarring to me. But if that's not true, then who are we worshiping? If it's true that we are still sinners to the deepest core of who we are, and we don't acknowledge and repent of that, then who is this Jesus that we worship? He's not Jesus anymore. We must recognize that Jesus came to save the lost, that he is the one who rose again from the dead, and that his life is completely in, unintelligible to the world around us. When I was in college, I took many religion courses, many. Um, I was a physics major, but I had a lot, a lot of time on my hands. So I took all these religion classes. And all these religion classes were, were very similar. All these philosophers where you talk about Kant, Schleiermacher, uh, Feuerbach, mostly German people, even Kierkegaard, uh, they sought to find God through reason. They sought to find God through experience. They, they sought to find, find God with themselves at the center. And what happens is what? We start to make God look like ourselves. And I remember many times when I would try to interject. In class, I did it once or twice, but I got shut down pretty quickly. Uh, but with my friends saying, we cannot know God unless God reveals himself to us. That the revelation of God is what all of us need to know him. We must pray for God to reveal himself to us. And they said to me, how can anyone then know God? And I said, exactly. None of you can know God unless God reveals his spirit in you. Be humbled and then be grateful that you know him. Pray for people. Lord, reveal yourself to, to these people around us. Lord, use your word to show the, the truth of who you are. May they come to know the Jesus of the Bible and not the Jesus of my words, perhaps, or the Jesus of the world that is around us, but the Jesus of Scripture. The second thing that we see in this passage is that this wisdom is not revealed to, can I say this, 
this way to young or new Christians. Let me put it that way. But it's revealed to mature Christians or spiritual Christians. First of all, let me encourage all of you. Be seekers of wisdom. Be people who seek to do what is right in God's eyes. Be people who seek to understand the world that God has made and created according to scripture and according to God's purposes. Whatever you are studying, whatever you are doing, God wants you to have life to its fullest. In other words, to see Jesus with you to its fullest. Seek to know the things of this world in order to glorify God. Seek to bring things back in line with its original intent of creation. And even beyond that, to glorify God in the final days. We are all seekers of how to live. Proverbs chapter 2 talks about that. In all of Proverbs, if you read Proverbs, what Proverbs talk about? It talks about marriage, money, talks about speech, talks about business transactions, talks about the, month, the, the, the everyday things of life. We need to seek that same wisdom from God as well. But who does God reveal this, this um, wisdom to? Look at verse 6. It says, yet among the mature we do impart wisdom. We remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, that, that God says that, or Paul says that, uh, to you who are in conflict with one another, I give milk. You're not ready for solid food. I give milk. You're not ready for solid food. There are some of us here who need solid, who, who, who need simply more milk, and God is not ready to give you solid food. How do you know that you are still weaning and haven't grown up yet? Well, if you look at James 3, 13 through 18, if we look at a sermon a couple of weeks ago and looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and chapter 3, you'll see that the people who are still on milk are the people who, who create strife and envy and dissension within the church. You're not ready for spiritual maturity if all you think about in your Christian life is what is wrong with this person's Christian life? What is wrong with this person's faith? Why can't our church be like this even more? Oh, I don't like this church because this church does X, Y, and Z. Well, this sermon today didn't speak to me today. Well, today, this person, like, you know, he gave me the eye, and that eye spoke to me and said that, you know, I don't want you here anymore. <laughs> Whatever you come up with. Oh, yeah, you know, I follow this guy, Apollos, because he's just wiser than Paul. When we create dissension within the church, when we ourselves are not active 
in the church itself and do not understand God's purposes of building up the body of Christ together into maturity. He, not, he does not promise maturity as an individual. He promises maturity as a church as a whole. And if our desire as a Christian is all about me and what the body of Christ can give me and about creating factions around me and about people loving me, then you're still on the You're not ready yet to grow in wisdom. If that's you, go to God. I mean, part of this is in all of us, right? Go to God and say, forgive me. Forgive me for making church about me. Forgive me for stirring up dissension stirring up problems that don't resolve, don't, don't focus around you, Christ, and your glory, but focus upon me and my needs. This is what happens here at this church. This is what Paul means, that you need milk. God gives solid food to those of us who understand our standing before the Lord. Do you not remember once again that you should go before God? That you should reveal as many of your sins as you can. Be broken. Know that he'll forgive you. Remember, he knows more about your sins than you do and you ever will. Receive forgiveness. You know, there are, I have uh, many, many pastor friends, and there was this one essay that a friend gave to me, and um, he was having problems with his congregation. Don't worry, this isn't about me. My, our congregation's really good. Okay, this isn't about me. And he was sharing, uh, this, this, this pastor was talking about how uh, his church was out to get him. And there was this one person who sort of, found some things that he was deficient in, very deficient in. I just wasn't very good at it. And he, he did the wrong, he, he made mistakes. He made mistakes. Um, but this congregate member was set out to get him and say, this should disqualify you as being a pastor. And the story goes on that he, he met with this, this member and some other people. And I mean, his heart was broken in many ways, but the Lord gave him insight and wisdom. And he said to the person, to uh, the, the, uh, the, the group of people who were trying to mediate, he said simply, you're right. I am a sinner. I have done wrong. But even more, that's only just the tip of the iceberg that you know about me. I've squandered my time. I've squandered my resources. I've not been the best father or husband. I've not been the best at praying for my congregation. 
And that's only the stuff that God has revealed to me. Please forgive me and give me wisdom to lead this congregation. That's what God wants from all of us, a humility to recognize that none of us are perfect, but to recognize that in God's love for us, we can love one another. I pray for our church. Let us be mature. Let us seek wisdom. Let us grow up. Let us help those people who are drinking milk, obviously. And those of you who are eating solid food, we don't look down at people who drink milk. We were there. Lastly, what is this wisdom? What is this wisdom that we're out to get? What is this wisdom that we are looking for? Now, it would take um, all of eternity. Actually, it's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible to know the depths of the mind of God. It is impossible for us to know all the wisdom that would come from him. You know, imagine some of you, and I hope you do this one day, you know, Many of you here who come from uh, immigrant families, you know, you talk to your father or your mother, you talk to, to people who first came here to the States, and you listen to the wisdom that they have about how they were able to come from one culture to another. And you sit and you're just like, wow, mom, dad, I didn't know you, you went through this. Or, or especially our grandparents, because most of us, we see our grandparents only when they're like 60 and older. We don't know that they were teenagers once. We don't remember that they're in their 20s once. We don't, remember, we don't know that they actually wrestled and, and struggled from anything. And that, that day that you, you sit at their feet and they start talking to you about their lives and you're mature enough to listen, you're like, I need more stories. Tell me more. It's like that with God, except, I mean, how can you wrap your mind around that? sitting at the feet of God, foot of God himself, and saying, God, tell me all the wisdom of this world, all the wisdom that you have. Mine would be blown. But the very least, there, there are two things that we see here in his letter to Corinthians that, that, that we need to sort of embrace or hunt after with all of our hearts to pursue this type of wisdom. First is this, loving the crucified Christ. Loving the crucified Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, 23, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, but folly to Gentiles. Our wisdom is to pursue this Jesus who is counter, I just, not the word, but who is antithetical to the wisdom of this world. Our job is to look at Jesus and to see what Jesus has done and see how different it is from this world and to receive his love and his transcendental work in saving us from sin. 
That's our first wisdom. The gospel that Jesus saves sinners like you and me should never grow old. We, as we grow in, in wisdom, simply see more and more different facets of it and see the riches of it as well. Even more than as you grow up in understanding the love of your mother, the love of the, your mother that you have when you were two years old compared to now should be vastly different. If it's not, you're still drinking milk. <laughs> and the love that the God has for us, of who Jesus is and what he's done, and, and all the different facets should become richer and richer and richer to us. Perhaps some of you are ones who, who have grew up without a father or a parent. Jesus, in his time here, grew up with a, without his father. He knows what it means to be an orphan. Jesus himself was a stranger without a home. You, many of you as immigrant children, can run to the Lord knowing, Jesus, you can comfort me in this. Many of you will grow to understand that you are more wicked than you can ever imagine, and yet more loved by God than you could ever dare hope or dream of. You run to Jesus. That's where wisdom is. The second part of wisdom is simply loving others. And again, this is, didn't really read this passage, James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18. If you have, when you have time at home, I urge you to read that as well. But again, the, the, those who lack wisdom were the ones who did not know how to love brothers and sisters in Christ. But those who have wisdom, and this is what Proverbs is about as well, seek how to love the people around them, not only with words, but with action, but also with all the what we look at pedestrian things of this world, money, time, energy, uh, uh, certain relationships, husband and wife, being a, ch being a child uh, and having a mother or daughter, so forth and so forth. But the question always is, how do I love these people according to the knowledge that God has given me of himself? That's it. That's where we start. That's the basics of us as Christian people who will grow into the likeness of God. Brothers and sisters, I urge all of you to love this church. And if you're still looking for a church, do consider Christ's covenant as your home church. Um, if not, find, find some place. Please, please. God does not promise to grow you as an individual into maturity. God does not even promise to grow you as two or three close friends who sort of hang out together and go churches together or do Christian things together, go to conference. God didn't even promise that either. God promises, though, 
in Ephesians chapter 2, or all of Ephesians, that he is working together to bring maturity to the church as a whole. Cling to that promise. If you want to know the fullness of Jesus, if you want to grow in your faith, you must love God and love the church. And then we, together as a church, must learn to love one another and to love this world. Then Christ is shown. Then Christ is magnified. Then Christ is made known. And for all, many of us here who are still looking for God, you only need this much faith. And perhaps God has already given you that faith. Go to God and say, God, grow my faith. For those of you who are still wondering about this Jesus, do I know the real Jesus? Or do I know the Jesus I sort of grew up with? Go to scripture and ask God, reveal yourself. Reveal yourself to me. That I may have joy. That I may have purpose. That I may grow to be the man or woman that you intended me to be. God bless all of us. Lord, have mercy on our church. May his name be magnified. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, we confess to you that we seek wisdom that is outside of your scriptures. We seek wisdom outside of you, Jesus. We think that the answer that Jesus is the answer to all things is just too pedestrian, that has no power. It's like someone saying to us, go to your mom, go to your dad. We don't want to go to mom and dad anymore. But Lord, this is a totally different scale. For you, God, are our creator, are our savior. You, God, have created all things. You, God, know the path that we are going to take. You, God, Lord, want to have fellowship with us and walk with us. You, God, Lord, wants to, to grow this church and mature us as people, Lord, that can magnify your name in all the corners of the world, Lord God. And at the same time in doing so, give us, Lord, the true knowledge of who we are, true knowledge of our identity, sure footing, Lord, of, of our individuality, and be people always rejoicing. And so, Lord, we pray for our church. We pray for brothers and sisters here who are, who are searching that, Lord, you would do this great work once again for the glory of your name and for the joy of your people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.